We, we might already have the sermon, huh? <laughs> that may be familiar to a few. We used it some years ago, but uh, I wanted to show it again because today we celebrate Christ the King Sunday, and uh, that may not be familiar to everybody. Who, who decided today was Christ the King Sunday? Where is that in the Bible? Well, we have things like Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, but... Um, uh, it's just a, it's a Sunday to, to, to kind of finish up, in a sense, the year before we head on into Advent. Other seasons have been added um, uh, through, by the church over the centuries to help us kind of frame and understand how God has made himself known, and uh, especially in and through Christ. And all through Christian history, these forms of Lent, Advent, Pentecost have, have kind of given shape to how we tell the story of Christ and his, his reign. Christ the King Sunday actually is, uh, is relatively new to the church. Just from 1925, Pope Pius XI introduced it in 1925. It was a time when uh, things were very tense in, in Western Europe at the time. Uh, there were despotic rulers who had risen and systems had begun to take hold in, in Europe. Hitler, Mussolini, Lenin were all in power at that time. And the Pope wanted to advance a, uh, or give a message of security to the church through the reign and the rule of Christ in the midst of kind of this chaos that was going on in terms of governments. And some, so some might ask then, well, if the Pope made it up, isn't that make it a Catholic thing? And do we do Catholic things? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> we, we need the same kind of assurance. We need the same kind of confidence. And, and we know, especially now, as we've come through this uh, difficult election season, and we are, we, are not, we are not over it yet in terms of some of the, uh, the rumblings that's going on. And so we also, as followers of Christ, need a, the same awareness of Christ, the same sense of victory in Christ our King, not to disconnect from what's going on in this world, but to remember ultimately where our loyalties are to and where our security is. And so we choose today, just before we begin Advent next week, to celebrate Christ the King. The scripture reading that Roy uh, read from Colossians, wow, what a text of scripture, huh? And, uh, and really that, that final part about the supremacy of Christ is, is one of the highest, uh, um, highest places of expression of the person of Christ uh, that there is in all of the, the, the scriptures. But Colossians is just one of the four readings that we usually would do on a, if we were following the lectionary, which is four texts each week, a Old Testament, a Psalm, a, New, a Gospel, and New Testament epistle text. Uh, Colossians is the text for the day. The others are noted there in your bulletin. Psalm 46, Jeremiah 23, and Luke 23 are all, all part of the, the text that would feed into this theme of Christ the King. They all revolve around this theme of King, uh, and they remind us who he was prophesied to be, who he claimed to be, and what he has done, and, and again from that Colossians text. He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. We get a bigger eternal perspective in the midst of week to week when we realize he's my king. That's my king. So today I want to take a look at what it means for him to be our king, but I also want to take a look at this whole theme of the church year. Uh, it may be familiar to some of you or not. You may have noticed in my, uh, we don't always put it, but it's usually at the top of the bullet and the top of my notes it'll say, you know, like the 25th Sunday of Pentecost or the second Sunday of Advent or the third Sunday of Lent. We, we, we kind of note it here. We don't make a big deal out of it, but it sort of helps us sort of keep time with the, with the church year. And uh, we are actually going to be headed into the, uh, our next 52 weeks, the next year together, we're going to follow this church year, and we're going to have these four texts every single week. We won't necessarily preach on all four or read all four, but we will be giving them to you week by week to be ready for each Sunday to come, and the themes will revolve around it. We're calling this year ahead, starting next week, the first end of Advent, we're calling it a year for hope, a year for hope. 
will follow the church year, the lectionary, and these selected texts are, 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 um, um, are, are put together. Basically, in a three-year cycle, you can pretty much read through most of the Bible in three years if you follow the lectionary. So there's nothing Catholic or liberal or mainline or formal or traditional about it. It's the Bible, which we've been reading the last, this last fall in uh, the Old Testament, but that's what we will be following. So today I want to propose that it really is something that gives us a, really sort of a, a rhythm for the year. It gives us a, a rhythm to the year. And today I want to propose that understanding the rhythm of the church year can help us to more fully embrace Christ as king of our lives and give us an enduring hope. There's hope in it. We call this the year for hope. So we're going to look at the change of seasons for a moment. Uh, and then the, secondly, this change of kingdoms that Colossians mentions and then bringing it home a little bit to the change of heart that each of us needs as we pursue Christ. The change of seasons is a, uh, a, a phrase that's often preceded by I just love the, or when I lived in Arizona it was don't you miss the, you know, change of seasons. To which then I answered no. I was a little bit of an arrogant Westerner at the time. But I'm all better now. And um, I, I um, <laughs> although Friday night to Saturday was a little rugged for me, I discussed <laughs> <laughs> the change of season. Do you love the change of season? It happened immediately, didn't it? Just like that. <laughs> um, but this idea of, 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 and I have come to appreciate it, being back in the Midwest after many years away of being back these last seven years, of really appreciating that rhythm that comes of, from one. And I still love summer the best. I got to admit, I still love the warm the best. But there is something about the rhythm that comes uh, into our year with the change of seasons. And it changed in Arizona, too. It changed from warm to hot, and then hot to warm. Anyway, um, but, um, yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of wet occasionally, but yeah. But part of the reason for developing the church calendar in the seasons is also the sense of rhythm, an appreciation of the different seasons of Christ's life, the Christian life. And in a sense, puts us in a place where we observe that rather than just making up our, or picking the own things that we just want to talk about and pulling a series here, a series there, but following the rhythms of Christ's life and, and following the rhythms of God's stories. It comes to us. It's a rhythm. It speaks of, in a sense, an, an alternate time, this change of seasons as an alternate time. It's a sacred time. Now, when I say alternate time or alternate reality, I don't necessarily mean that in a, in a sci-fi sense, but alternate as in, a dis, as in distinguished from our ordinary day-to-day existence in this world. God is bigger than our temporal existence. As followers of Christ, we connect to that bigger eternal reality. And by calling it sacred simply means it's set apart, set apart for God. To, sacred, to call something sanctified or sacred means to set apart as holy and special. This becomes a sacred space when we come in here to worship on a Sunday. And, 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 and so it's a sacred place where we meet God, and not sacred in the sense of, ooh, you, like we used to tell kids, you better be careful, you're going into God's house. You better sit still and you better be quiet. That'll help our children love God a lot, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> not sacred in that sense of fearsomeness, but a sense of, of set apart. This is a sacred space where we come to engage with God and encounter him. It's a space, sacred space because of who we are when we worship. We're not cut off from the world, but we step into this alternate time. We step into this alternate place. We are about God here. We are about worship here. We live in a kingdom that is not one and the same with the physical world around us. They overlap, but they are not one and the same. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world overlap, and that's where we live. And when we come into this sacred place, we connect with who we are as followers of Christ and citizens of the kingdom. The church calendar, the church year, then establishes a framework for this alternate time 
time, this sacred time. And in that alternate time and calendar, uh, did you know that today is then the last Sunday of the year? This is the last day of the year. The Christian year starts on the first Sunday of Advent. And that's why we celebrate today as Christ the King Sunday, because everything builds to the eternal reign of Christ. And so we celebrate that on this day before we begin the year with Advent next week, which goes back to the bidding of anticipating the inbreaking of God, the Savior who would come. Alternate time, sacred space. It can be just a religious observance. It can be just ritual and meaningless words and names and forms. Or, if you choose, it can help us more fully embrace Christ as Savior and Lord and King. Here's the, here's the seasons. We go from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany to Lent to Easter to the season of Pentecost to Christ the King, and back to Advent again. Let me just go over them quickly. Advent starts next week. It's the four Sundays before Christmas. Time to remember that Christ has come in the flesh, but it's also a time to identify with the, the longing and waiting for thousands of years of God's people for this inbreaking. But it's also a time of looking to the second coming of Christ. And so this year, our theme for the year is a year for hope. And during Advent, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. The Christmas season isn't just the day of Christmas, but it's both Sundays after the Advent. And so it's two Sundays long of of celebrating Christmas in the church year. This year it happened to be Christmas Day and New Year's Day, celebrating the birth of Christ. And then we go into the season of Epiphany. Epiphany itself is January 6th, always on the 6th. It's And it's 12 days after Christmas, and when it's noted that the wise men perhaps came to see Jesus. And so we read the text of the wise men coming. But then Epiphany is, a, is, a, is a, a varying length depending on when Easter falls, because you know how Easter wanders around over there in the spring, and, so, and Lent is always seven weeks, and so it kind of affects the length. Epiphany can be as short as four weeks or as long as eight weeks, like this, this year with Easter so late. And during Epiphany, we looked at Christ kind of being made known, Christ being, uh, in a sense, made manifest to people. And so we look at Christ's baptism, Christ's temptation, Christ's miracles that presented him as the Son of God to people. That's the season of Epiphany. And then we go into Lent, which is 40 days before Easter, excluding the six Sundays. The six Sundays of Lent are still little mini-Easters, mini-celebrations, but 40 days till Easter. And we focus in that time on the sacrifice of Christ, his atoning death. We move from Ash Wednesday to Good Friday and Holy Saturday, and it's time to reflect, to confess, to repent, and for us to identify with the sufferings of Christ. Some people actually literally do fast days during Lent in order to to identify with the sufferings of Christ and to identify with those who even suffer today in their pursuit of Christ. So Lent is a season of preparation. And then we head into Easter. Of course, Easter Sunday, but Easter is actually another six Sundays. Not just Easter Sunday, but six Sundays are all part of this, this celebration, proclaiming and celebrating the risen Christ. Not only the event, but the, uh, the continuing ministry of the risen Christ. And then we come to Pentecost Sunday, seven weeks after Easter. And that's a Sunday when sometimes here we wear red and we celebrate, but that celebrates the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And then we enter into the season of Pentecost, which is several months long, all the way until today. Some even call the season of Pentecost ordinary time, which is kind of funny, isn't it? Like, oh, like plain old, plain old Sundays. <laughs> it doesn't mean ordinary. It just means kind of living life, the, living life day by day, that these aren't necessarily celebrations, but just living Christ and growing in Christ. And so the color for that season is, is green. And then the very end of the year, we come back here to Christ the King Sunday, celebrating his reign and anticipating the future perfect kingdom that he brings. Jesus is the fulfillment of what the prophet Jeremiah said. And Jeremiah 23 is the Old Testament reading for today. You can read it on your own. But this verse, verses 5 and 6 say this. 
that he was a king who, he is a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Okay, so does that make a little bit of sense? So a year for hope. This is our, our, our artwork for the year ahead. Um, if we can bring that up. Uh, thanks to Daryl Dwyer from our congregation who's created this for us. And we're sort of recognizing the whole year here in a year for hope. The, the color purple up there in the top corner, you can see the four candles of Advent, but you also see the, the palm branch and the Lord's Supper there. Purple is the season of waiting. So Advent is the color purple and Lent is the color purple. The next one over, the white and the gold, there's seasons of celebration, Christ the King and we Christ reign. And so that's the color for Easter and for, and for celebrating Christmas is the gold and the white. And you see the, the open tomb behind it. The red then, of course, in the bottom there is the coming of the Holy Spirit and the flames of the Spirit that speak of his power. And then we move over to green for the season of Pentecost or ordinary time, which is a season for growing. You might have noticed we've had a green tablecloth until today. It's, it's Thanksgiving here today, but we often have green up here during the season to speak of growing. And so you see the, the plants there and the other images. And so um, that's where we're headed in the weeks ahead. And we'll try to bring more information along the way and prepare you. So today you'll see in my little outline I put in there are the four texts for next week. So we'll keep giving you the, the four texts and we can even give you all of them at once that don't want to be kept in suspense. <laughs> But today, especially just for a few minutes here, I want to move from this change of seasons then to talk about the change of kingdoms. Kings and kingdoms and royalty are, are old world concepts to us as Americans, uh, but we get moderately interested in, in, in British royalty and news and scandal. In fact, just this week, this is the big week, the news just this week is that, that will Prince Harry really propose to Meghan Markle? Do we have that cover of Us magazine? There we are, yeah, so um, if you care at all about that. <laughs> but we, we kind of, we're sort of intrigued with a sense of royalty and kings and kingdoms. But you know that the United Kingdom, as we call uh, that country, is really not a kingdom. It is a democracy. It's a constitutional monarchy. And there's really not that much power for royals other than to control a lot of what happens <laughs> that goes on in the media. But we and the British all live ultimately in the same kingdom, the kingdom of this world. Regardless of our form of government, we live in the kingdom of this world. But as followers of Christ, to those who have responded to God's call on our lives, we also live in an alternate kingdom. We live in an alternate kingdom, the kingdom of God. When we become Christians, we become members of an alternate kingdom. We don't leave the kingdom of the world, but we enter into a realm where Christ is king. It's not a different place, but it's rather an entirely different way of being in relationship with each other and with God as citizens of the kingdom of God. The earliest Christian confession of the early, early Christians in the first century was Christ is Lord, Christ is Lord, three words. And that was as opposed to swearing allegiance to some Caesar or some king. Christ is Lord. But it's more than just simply switching allegiance. One could say Christ is Lord, but remain unchanged. One could more or less conduct business as usual and conceive of faith as simply a, a private affair. But the kingdom with, king, with, with, with Christ as king made a huge difference in the lives of those people. The kingdom of God, or maybe better, the realm or reign of God, where Jesus, uh, Jesus is king represents a whole new reality where nothing is the same. Not our relationships with each other, not the rules by which we live each other, not our view of self, our view of others, not our priorities or principles. Nothing is the same when Jesus becomes king and we live in the kingdom of God. Paul speaks of this change of kingdoms in the apostle in the, in the reading that we heard from Colossians today. Picking up at verse 12 of Colossians 1. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. 
For he has rescued us from the, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, which is ultimately where the kingdom of this world goes, and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son, which is an eternal kingdom, the son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The apostle speaks here of a, a place of darkness, and a place of darkness is where there is no hope. A place of darkness is where values get twisted. A place of darkness is where everything becomes a self-serving sort of a motive. A place of darkness is where injustice reigns and people's value gets diminished and there's a dehumanizing of people without the king there. A world of darkness is often where we live part of the time, isn't it? We, we sense it around us and the world around us. We don't live there fully, but we, we, we can see it and we can understand it. But we also live in this alternate kingdom, this kingdom of light and hope, but we're not fully there either. We're in this in-between place, aren't we? In fact, we speak of it as the... <clears throat> The now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. This kingdom comes into its fullness when Christ returns. But it has started. When Christ rose from the dead, it started this, this, this heading to this kingdom of fullness of Christ. And the way that we live in both kingdoms now is intended to bring more and more of the future kingdom into this world even now. Thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At times, Christians have misunderstood this, that the kingdom is something we just look, wait and we just look ahead and wait. We figure this world is a mess. This world is beyond hope. I'm just going to sit and wait for Jesus to come. I received him as my Savior, which means I got a ticket to heaven. I'm good till he comes. And yet God calls us to be kingdom people now in this time of overlap. So the priorities of Christ direct us now how we live in the now in giving a sense of dignity to life, of equality, peace, justice, uh, relationships that make a difference, relationships that, that affirm the dignity of each person need to be how we live now as, as kingdom people in the not yet. We live with the king now. We look forward to the not yet. The thief, of cross got that, the thief on the cross got that. If you read the gospel reading today, it's uh, chapter 23 from Luke where there's the, the two thieves on the cross. People have been mocking Jesus as king. In fact, they've tacked a sign over that says, Hail the king of the Jews. And the, one, and the one thief joins in the mockery of him as well. But the other king says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to that thief and says, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say heaven. He didn't say kingdom. He said the word paradise. And it rarely shows up in scripture. Apparently, the word for paradise there is the word for a Persian garden, a a walled garden. And when a Persian king wanted to extend special honor to someone, he would invite them to be his companion as he walked in the garden, the paradise. And so to say, you'll be with me in paradise, says, you'll be walking, you'll be with me. You'll be with the king. You'll be with the king. We look ahead to being with Jesus in the future perfect kingdom. But meanwhile, we live in a state of tension and tug sometimes, don't we? change of seasons, a change of kingdoms, and a change of heart is finally what we're called to. Back to the story of Jesus and the two thieves in, in Luke 23. There they are on the cross, and Jesus didn't really look very much like a king. All of this mockery going on in the sign that hangs over him. Jesus was dying a criminal's death, and the Jewish leaders could have stoned him and gotten rid of him quickly, but they wanted a crucifixion because it was the lowest and most despised and public form of death that there could be. And here he was hanging there, bruised and bloody. He did not look like a king. 
But what he was doing on the cross would be, in fact, the one thing needed to usher in the kingdom of God. One thief joined in the mockery, the other got it. And that thief on the cross had a change of heart and was ready for a change of kingdoms. He did not have time to be discipled, did he? He didn't learn about evangelism or stewardship. (laughs) But his heart changed, and Christ became king for him. And it's what Christ the King invites each of us to do, is to come to the cross and make the choice to have a change of heart to realize that our only hope is in Christ as king. Our only hope is to admit our need and turn to him and receive the gift of life and be able to say, that's my king. You know, this is real stuff. (laughs) Some of you have heard sermons all your life, and I've preached them for a good chunk of mine. But I had the privilege of meeting with somebody this week in my office who's had a change of heart. They came and told their story of, of over the, the course of this last year, starting about last October, of, of things that had happened to them and, and people that had come alongside them and people that had spoken into their life and into their heart. And they had a change of heart and have come to Christ in an incredibly powerful way of, of healing to this person. We need to be reminded, those of us who, who know that story, that, that it's a fresh and live and God is still at work doing this. I heard a powerful testimony this week of heart change and life change and hope for a life that was struggling a great deal and still struggles but has hope now in Christ as king. Perhaps it's time to reflect back on the times when we found our own change of heart and and reflect on that and say, God, what what was it that, 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 that drew me to that? And go back and reaffirm that and open our eyes and to see where it's happening around us and open our eyes around us to see the people that need that hope as well. Because it's not just our own personal gift to get us into heaven. It's a gift we're called to share as well. And so in this year of hope, or year for hope, we're going to look at these texts, but we're going to keep our eyes wide open to where it's going on right now. Where the need for that hope is around us and where the answer for hope and the the promises of hope are coming true for people around us. As we look to this change of heart, as we look into these changes of seasons. We're hoping that this rhythm of the church here can help us more more fully embrace Christ as king of our lives. We're hoping that this rhythm of the church here can help us identify hope and not just know our Bibles better or know or answer quiz questions on the church here. I don't really care if you can answer quiz questions. I care that you're letting Christ change your heart. And so I encourage you then to to press into it and and ask where the kingdoms are, are tugging on your own heart and reaffirming your own faith and your trust in Christ claiming your hope in him. So we're starting next week. You can take a week off. You can just do Thanksgiving. Eat a lot. Feel guilty. Confess. Forgive. You're good. But seriously, next Sunday isn't just the start of the holidays. It is the holidays. I guess it started this week, don't they, with Thanksgiving. Next week starts Advent. And we as the people of God are going to let that begin our rhythm this year and say, yes, it is a season of anticipating. We'll sing a Christmas carol or two, but it's mostly a season of waiting as we identify with the longing and the need for hope among people then and now. And then we'll celebrate Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and on into Epiphany as we celebrate Christ the King. And then we'll gear back at Lent and realize personal need and we'll identify with those in need around us and off we'll go into the rhythm of the year. Want to go?
I guess you don't have a choice, do you, unless you want to go to church somewhere else. But I'm hoping you all stick with us because I think it's going to be a fun ride. I'm literally looking forward to it. I want to invite you to join with us in the reading and the preparing. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful, mostly for you, Lord Jesus, and for this word. And we know this church, your thing was added on. And Lord, we want to let it be a rhythm that draws us to you and draws us to your word. That we would not just be church attenders, Lord, and Bible readers, but we would be Bible believers and, and people who let the word work within us, giving us that enduring hope while also letting it open our eyes to those around us who need that hope, who need that change of heart. So Lord, guide us as we head into this year ahead. We pray it in your name. Amen.